This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hi, this is Clay Matthews, and you're listening to the Eye Test for Two. Welcome back to the Eye Test for Two. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are both Hall of Fame voters, as you should know. And you should also know we're joined, as usual, by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. And soon, soon to be joined by another Hall of Fame voter, Mr. D. Orlando Ledbetter of Atlanta, to give us a lowdown on what the Falcons are going to do in the upcoming NFL draft. But before we do, Ian, when we signed off last week, we asked you about getting a vaccination, and you were going to get one on Friday. A, did you get it? And B, if you did, did you have any reaction? Uh, yeah, I, I did get it. It just happened to be the one that they paused today. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, I, you know, I, I had some body aches and, and stuff like that the first couple of days. A little little lethargic, but, you know, not nothing too crazy. I feel pretty good today, you know. I think I look pretty good. So, I, I, I doing all right. Doing all right. Ira, you'll be the judge of that. You think he looks pretty good? He looks pretty good. You know, all those symptoms, that's me every day, Clark, every day. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, he's half our age. A little lethargic. (laughs) Uh, Okay, another subject, Ian, that might be close to your heart, I suspect it is, and that's Julian Edelman, uh, wide receiver for the New England Patriots. That would be your New England Patriots. He has announced his retirement, which has provoked an immediate call by Patriots honks like Mr. Ian Glendon, to put him in the Hall of Fame. So let's see what we have here. Ira, um, Edelman had a terrific career. We know that. Um, 620 receptions, almost 7,000 yards, 36 TDs. But let's have a reality check here, okay? I mean, it was a good career. Was it a Hall of Fame career? To me, in a word, no. And yeah, I know about the playoff production. I know about the playoff production, Ira, and the Super Bowl MVP. But please, Hall of Fame? Stop. I'm, I'm with you, Clark. And, you know, this notion that he invented the slot receiver. Uh, anybody ever heard of Wes Welker? Yeah, I mean, he sure. played before. He, and Welker has has more of a case for Canton, Clark. And, and I don't think Welker belongs. So certainly, you know, look, I, I respect Edelman. Sure handed, clutch, uh, great playoff performer, but Hall of Famer. Absolutely not. Sorry, Ian. Ian. Yeah. Ian, where are you on this? I, I, I do want to clarify one thing. I, I am a honk. I'm not, I'm not denying that, but I do agree. I don't think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It, deserves is a is the wrong word. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I, I just think what I find puzzling is the reaction to people who suggest that he is. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty intense, and I, I was surprised uh, just how much people hate the idea of putting him in the Hall of Fame. And, like, look, I'm, 
I don't think he's going to get in. I can listen to his playoff record and say, look, there's only one guy better than him statistically, and that's Jerry Rice, and we all know right. who how great he is. No way am I saying he's Jerry Rice, but I, I think he's getting into the Patriots Hall of Fame, no doubt. I mean, he's one of the best Patriots players, one of the best in this second dynastic run, but unfortunately not a Hall of Fame player in my opinion. Yeah, Ira, as we've said on the show before, Hall of Fame moments mm-hmm. don't necessarily equate to Hall of Fame careers. Uh, I would also ask you to please compare him to another Super Bowl MVP, and that's Heinz Ward, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Heinz Ward had 1,000 receptions or 380 more than Julian Edelman. He had over 12,000 yards or nearly twice as many as Julian Edelman, and he had 85 TDs or 47 more than Julian Edelman. And he's never been a Hall of Fame finalist. Now, I know he's been eligible only five years, but he's never been a Hall of Fame finalist. So, Ira, tell me why Julian Edelman is more qualified. And the answer is you can. I'm I'm with you on that, Clark. You know I'm a Heinz Ward guy. And and when we had uh, Fanica on, uh, he backed us up a thousand percent. Um, Heinz Ward is a gamer, a gamer. And uh, he can't get a sniff. So, look, uh, we're not knocking Julian Edelman. No, fine, fine no. player. We'll take him on our team any day, Clark. Absolutely. But yeah. not in Ken. Yeah. And you know what, guys? I, I really liked what Damian Woody, former offensive lineman for the New England Patriots, said. He tweeted out, you can have a great career and not be a Hall of Famer. It's okay. And he's right. I think that says it. Yes. Well, Absolutely. I'll tell you what is more than okay, guys. We have Atlanta Journal-Constitution columnist, Mr. Hall of Fame voter and longtime friend, D Orlando led better with us today to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and D led so badly wanted to come on the show that he's pulled off the road <laughs> to talk to us. He's talking to us from his car outside of Atlanta. D led. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Clark and Ira. Thanks for having me on the, on your podcast. You got it. Ira, take it away. You know, Clark, when it comes to finding out what's going on in Atlanta at Flowery Branch, this is the man. Yeah, the man. And he's been and he's been the man for a long time. Yep. So Led, we got a lot of respect for the work that you do. And the Led, all of a sudden, the 2021 draft, you find yourself uh in the middle of the intrigue because um we don't think they're taking a quarterback. So D Led. Um, where are they going? Is Pitts the guy? And if it is, and if it is Pitts, uh, D-Led, um, on paper, that's a pretty darn good Atlanta offense. Yeah, no question. Pitts is the guy. Um, they're going to have to uh, make a decision if they're going to pass on the tackle from Oregon, Penny Sewell. He's a uh, uh, phenomenal player. I've been told he could start at either four of the positions right away, everything except for center. So, you know, uh, they would have to make the determination that they're okay with their offensive line, which, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, they lost Alex Mack. They, they cut James Carpenter. So they drafted Matt Hennessy last year. So they think he's a center, but you still have the hole at left guard. They uh, signed Josh Andrews, a journeyman, uh, interior lineman, and also uh, put the restricted tender, second-round tender, on Matt Gano, who played some left guard last year and backed up at right tackle. So they may think they're fine on the line, which would allow them to take the uh, specialty tight end, the unicorn tight end who causes matchup problems for the world, 
and uh, keep this offense at a high level and make it or help to return it to a high level. So um, it was explained to me that, hey, do you want a guy who can contribute uh, maybe 10 to 15 plays a game or a, a lineman who could come in and play 65, 70 plays a game and, and stabilize that unit, get the running game back going and protect Matt Ryan. So, um, you know, I, I got him taking the lineman, but I understand that Pitts is so special that he can generate the offense. And if you're happy with the offensive line, then you go that way. D-Led, uh, either of those picks, I, I think, would bring a smile to the face of Matt Ryan, D-Led. Uh, we know that. Um, Daryl, this is a Hall of Fame-centric podcast. We talk a lot about Hall of Famers. You have watched these two guys over these years, so I'm going to ask you. Matt Ryan, uh, Julio Jones, uh, and you had, you know, you had John Abraham for some good years in Atlanta, D-Led. Um, all three, I think, viable candidates for Canton. What would you say about uh, about those, that trio? Uh, I certainly think John deserves some consideration for bringing it off the edge for as long as he did here in Atlanta. Started out with the Jets, um, you know, had issues with whether he's a linebacker or in. And once they settled on him being a 255-pound in, he brought it for, you know, a, a period of time uh, that would have, uh, you know, been able to – if he'd had some sugar on the top if they would have got that San Francisco win. But um, he lost in the NFC Championship game. But he got hurt in a game 16-17 when, uh, you know, they didn't have to play him. Coach Smith played him. He got hurt, had a high ankle sprain in the playoffs and did nothing. But, um, yeah, everybody would have known a lot more about him had they got to – that team got to the Super Bowl. Now, Matt Ryan, I'll go Julio next. Julio has put up some incredible numbers since 2011. Basically had the Super Bowl won on that catch. For some reason, they decide to, to throw the ball on third and one, second and one, and uh, we all know what happened there. But just a, a professional who came to work right from the very beginning to now to where we see he has health issues, health issues. But if he can come back and put a couple more seasons together, uh, you know, that would be a lock for him, I believe. Now, Matt Ryan, uh, greatest quarterback in franchise history, surpassing Steve Barkowski. Uh, all he did was win from the very beginning. 2008 goes 11 and five as a rookie, goes to the playoffs, gets upset in a wild card game out of Arizona. Uh, six of his first four, um, four of his first six years are in the playoffs. Two NFC championships games, one Super Bowl. His failure is that the organization failed to put a credible defense together during his whole tenure. He gets to the Super Bowl with perhaps the worst defense ever. They came out and played hard, but they couldn't sustain it and lost the Super Bowl. So um, I think he can go a couple more years. They'll try to get back. Uh, certainly, uh, if they can get back to the Super Bowl in the next two or three years with Matt Ryan, his case would become a lock case. But uh, as it stands right now, he's definitely somebody who should be in the room and uh, we'll have to uh, get his support and point out, you know, the, all of the good he did for the franchise, all the yards, the numbers are going to be there. Uh, and then also he came here when um, Michael Vick was going to jail in, on the federal dog fighting case. The franchise was at a low point, arguably the lowest point in his time. And he quickly turned his franchise around and put him back 
put them on the map. They were never really firmly on the map, but they were a contender in the NFC for most of his career. Uh, you know, it's funny. He said for some reason they did third and one on that third and one. They decided to pass against the Patriots. You know why they did that? They wanted to make Ian Glendon a happy man. And they did because they blew that game and the Patriots won. So he's happy. <laughs> We're with D. Orlando Ledbetter, Hall of Fame voter and journalist, incomparable, extraordinary, extraordinary journalist for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And D. Led, um, let me ask you this. If you were the GM, what would you do with that pick? A, would you trade it away? Because it seems like you have a myriad of needs there with the Falcons. And if you move down the board, maybe you could get some of those positions that you talked about. Or B, if you sat there at the four spot, because I do think the Falcons control the board. If you sat there at the four spot, whom would you take? Yes, uh, Clark, trading back makes a whole lot of sense. I think they missed the boat on that when San Francisco tried to come up. Uh, they tried to get up as high as they could. I would have stopped them at four and took a busher, those busher or picks they were offering <laughs> and uh, dropped back and got some defense. Now I don't think uh, the teams behind them can kind of wait and get their guys that they want. Um, you know, unless somebody wants to come up for pits, I don't see anybody coming up for uh, anybody else. They'll let them see if they can uh, drop to them. Their most interesting scenario, Clark, is, hey, uh, this whole Mac Jones, Justin Fields thing at three. Now, uh, one G, one uh, former exec, well, one exec told me, hey, you don't trade three first-round picks to get a developmental quarterback, and you don't trade them for a game-managing quarterback. So, you know, a lot of people think they traded these picks to go get Justin Fields. Hmm. But, um, you know, a lot of talk is centered on, um, you know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch going to Alabama's pro day and not going to Ohio State's. I guess they'll see him later this week, right. um, you know, that they really want Mac Jones. So if they do that solid for the Falcons, the Falcons are going to be sitting there with Justin Fields on the board, a local kid from Harrison High, started his career at Georgia. A lot of the fans want to see him do well, and i like to see the rookie general manager explain why he passed on Justin Fields uh, at the fourth pick. So that's the interesting scenario that could unfold here. And, uh, you know, he have a lot, of, a lot of explaining to do if he does not pick Justin Fields if the 49ers bypass him. You mentioned Matt Ryan. And since we're talking about quarterbacks here and we're talking about quarterbacks in the draft, at what point does this team have to address the successor to Matt Ryan? Is it now, even though let's just say they pass on the quarterback at four, for whatever reason, they pass on the quarterback at four. Do they have to address that position in this draft or can they afford to wait a year? I'm of the school of thought that they can afford to wait two years. They actually have to because they redid his contract and he's got salary cap numbers over $40 million for the next uh two years, 21 and 20, well, 22 and 23. So um, that signals to me that they don't believe that his skills have diminished, mm -hmm. even though his QBR has dropped every year since, yep. the, uh, since the Super Bowl year. But I think it's because the line hasn't been, been, a, been uh, up to par. So I'll firm up his line and roll with him for two to three more years. And then, you know, if you're back in the top of the draft, then go get his successor or get his successor in the middle rounds here. You know, a Kellen Mond, uh, Davis Mills. Uh, they might not be in the middle, but, uh, you know, the kid here from uh, Wake Forest kid, uh, 
you know, maybe you get somebody that's developmental and have them ready to go. So, you know, there are some options to it. They got to get a quarterback in this draft because they, they Matt Schaub retired and they cut the third string quarterback. So either they're looking high or low for a quarterback, one that they can develop. And interesting, um, Ira and uh, Clark, Terry mentioned the Packers. And, you know, I covered them most of the 90s and uh, studying Ryan Wolf and all of his drafts. He picked a quarterback every year. He picked, a quarterback, he picked a quarterback every year from Matt Hasselback to Aaron Brooks to Ron McCady. Uh, he picked a quarterback, and if they developed them, they traded them and got picks. Uh, you know, so so Terry mentioned that, hey, you know, you got to study the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks bring value. Whether Matt can go or not, uh, you know, uh, uh, if he can't go, then you got your developmental quarterback. Uh, he had Mark Brunell had, with, with Brett Favre on the roster already. So, you know, they did that. Terry studied that. And it sounds like he wants to try to do it, too. It's just whether he's going to take that pick at four or some some uh, at some other point in the upcoming draft. D-Led, they had Mark Brunell, Ty Detmer, and Kurt Warner on the roster at the same time that they had Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that camp. I was like, who is this number 15 guy, this Warner kid from Northern Iowa? He's no good. <laughs> Hey. Iowa born Starmer's time and uh, goes on to be a, a, a Hall of Famer himself. D led, uh, I, I'm going to turn to the backfield in, in Atlanta. And um, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think a very sneaky, unheralded move this offseason was Atlanta picking up Mike Davis. Now, Davis played behind McCaffrey. McCaffrey got hurt. Davis did a nice job. I think he's going to be the feature back D-led. Gurley's out there as a free agent. He ain't coming back to Atlanta. Um, D-led, would you be shocked if Davis uh, posts a 1,000-yard uh, rushing year in Atlanta? Uh, I would not be totally surprised. He's a hard-charging running back. They need a little bit better blocking than they've had in the past for that to happen. But, yeah, Mike has done a great job. Uh, followed him. He's from here. Uh, Stevenson High's brother, uh, James Davis, played at Clemson and uh, with the Browns, a cup of coffee in the league with the Browns and a couple other teams. So, yeah, James uh, could definitely be your bell cow back, but I think he's more of a bridge back, Ira. I think they're going to take somebody in the third or fourth round, the Gamewell kid out of Memphis, Trey Sermon out of Ohio State, uh, and put him together with Davis as a committee. And uh, don't let Najee Harris slip to 35, uh, which I don't <laughs> see happening. But uh, if he does, that would be a great pick for him also. I, I don't think Travis Etienne will be around uh, at 35 either. So uh, you got to look at that next group, that next tier of backs to come in and help uh, with that running back committee that will be headed by Mike Davis. So uh, that's kind of where I have that running back situation pegged heading into the draft here. Um Give me some of your early impressions of Arthur Smith, D-Led. You've been through your share of coaches there, uh, you, you know, with Mike Smith, uh, obviously, and, and Quinn, and, and then uh, we thought Raheem would have a chance. Uh, but when, uh, when, uh, when Arthur Blank says, uh, Raheem, that he's got to go 10-1, uh, and one, that, that didn't sound uh, like an endorsement for Raheem, D-Led. You and I both knew at that time he, 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 he really uh, was toast uh, down the line. So – what have you noticed about Arthur Smith and uh, what kind of coach is he going to be? 
Well, it's very detailed, as you would imagine, being in that position, a hardcore football junkie and historian. Uh, you know, I talked to Mike Malarkey, who was there with him in Tennessee, and Coach Mike said he earned it the, the, the right way. He came up through the ranks, starting at the bottom, and worked his way to the top. Uh, his offenses were very efficient, uh, you know, not anything cutting edge or anything, but uh, you know, in the ball well, blocked up good, ran some power, ran some zone, and uh, had Tannehill throwing off a play action to a wide open receiver. So um, if he's able to establish that, it's much like Malarkey and Mike Smith when they came here, they got the running game rolling with Michael Turner. And Matt Ryan, all he had to do was find where the safety was and throw to the other side of the field as a rookie. And they won 11 games doing that. So, uh, you know, if he can get his running game going, keep that defense off the field while they're rebuilding it, and uh, Matt Ryan knows where to go with the football, then they'll uh, have an opportunity here to get this thing turned around pretty quickly. Darrell, that's good. That that sounds good, but uh, you got to find a Derrick Henry, my man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah, yeah. You, you, you are Michael Turner <laughs> or Michael Turner. Uh, someone of uh, that can tote it for you, 16. 14, 1,600 yards, uh, and I'm thinking they're going to be looking for that person. Bad news, D-Led. Unfortunately, that team still plays in the same division as Tom Brady, playing for second. <laughs> playing for second. <laughs> hey, D-Led, one last question for you for me. Um, what do you know about the philosophy of your new GM, Terry Fontenot, and the new coach, Arthur Smith, and who makes the call here in the draft? Yeah, they um they wanted to bring them two together in a collaborative uh, arrangement, which you know we know you know doesn't really traditionally work. Uh, you know, it's usually a powerful GM, a Ron Wolf model, where he picked the players and Mike Holmgren coached, and then Mike wanted to get out and pick his own players and went to Seattle. So uh, it, it's a uh, kind of good company, Home Depot. Let's all sit in the boardroom and pick the football team type of deal. And so that's going to be very interesting. Terry also said that, hey, I'm a pick the best player available guy. You know, Ozzy uh, Newsom was one of the per people that he studied. Ron Wolf's one of the people he studied. Now, um, you know, how does that fit with Arthur Smith and uh, how he sees things and how, they've ran, how they ran him in Tennessee and in his brief stay in Washington? So um, we're going to be looking to see if Terry's going to actually be able to pick the best player available or if it's some collaborative thing that, you know, worked probably just fine for the owner at Home Depot, but uh, hasn't or didn't work very well when he tried it with the Mitroff and, and Dan Quinn. They hit early and then um, the pick started going uh, sideways for him. They weren't able to sustain it and rebuild that defense or, or the offensive line. So, you know, we're, it's a study um, that's ongoing on whether this whole collaborative think tank type of thing can work in the NFL. You just pick the best GM, let him pick the players, put his scouts in place, and roll with it, which we've seen work in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, Green Bay, where the teams have been able to sustain winning. They say they want to sustain winning, but they're not copying the models that the other teams have in place. D-Led, last one for me. Thanks so much for doing this, my man. Um, I'm going to ask you about another author, and that's the guy that signs the checks, D-Led, Arthur Blank. Now, Daryl, he, he's been around for two decades, two decades for, uh, for Arthur Blank. 
He's not a patient man. He wants that ring. He wants that Lombardi trophy. Daryl, he's been so successful on the business side, uh, starting with Home Depot. How, how desperate, how frustrated is Arthur Blank getting uh, at Flowery Branch? Well, they're actually saying uh, that he's starting to get a little bit more patient as he gets older. Um, you know, he, he gave Dan Quinn and Dimitrov every, every bit of rope uh, that he could. He brought him back when he probably shouldn't have. Uh, you know, you could argue that, you know, they could have blown it up after the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, there were some fireable offenses uh, committed uh, in, in Houston that day. <laughs> Starting with Devontae Freeman asking for a new contract and ending with him missing the block at Hightower. Uh, but uh, the high tower block, but then they gave him a new contract. So, you know, he, they're saying the patience is there, um, you know, maybe to a, to a fault, Ira. Uh, but now uh, he's mellowed a little bit. He's uh, can see a transition to, to the uh, family. You know, a lot of the family members were in on the interviews and, and so forth. And he just wants to um, put in place the foundation for the turnaround. And if it's sooner rather than later, He'd be very happy with that. E. Orlando Ledbetter, thanks so much for the time. And good luck chasing Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks this year. And also, <laughs> good luck driving. Driving now, because you, you pull the car off the road, you're going to get back on it. Stay safe. Where are you going? Uh, to Athens. I teach at the University of Georgia in the sports journalism program, uh, you know, two times a week. Uh, it's been a fun doing this last uh, five years and uh, – uh, you know, so headed up there to see my students today. We're going to be talking about profile writing today. Terrific. Nice. Well, they're lucky to have you, and so are we. Thanks so much, D-Led. Thank you, Clark and Ira and I, I, Ian. You all take care. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate all your kind words. Our pleasure. Thank you. That was Hall of Fame voter D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ira, always a slice with D-Led. I love talking to him. You know, Clark, he, he, he's the voice. Yep. He is the voice uh, of the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, you know, there used to be two, three papers maybe in Atlanta, and, and now there's one, and, and, and he's the guy. Clark, he's the guy. He is the guy. Ira, we're out of time, but we are not out of guests, Ira. Nope. We have another tomorrow to push the candidacy of a Hall of Fame candidate. And Ira, pay attention, because you're on the senior committee, all right? It's a Absolutely. senior who didn't make the centennial cut. Now, he was a finalist. It didn't make the cut for the last 10. You've got to guess. Save it till tomorrow because we're going to bring his spokesperson on here. That's tomorrow on the I Test for Two.